0: Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at Roundrockchurch.s. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message
1: to give you exactly what you need.
0: Good morning. My name is Carolyn, and the reading this morning comes from Ecclesiastes 2, verses 1 through 11. I said to myself, Come now, I will make a test of pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But again, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my mind how to cheer my body with wine, my mind still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly until I might see what was good for mortals to do under heaven on their few days of their life. I got singers, both men and women, and delights of the flesh, and many concubines. So I became great, and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all of my toil. Then I considered, all that my hands had done and all the toil I had spent in doing it. And again, this is vanity and a chasing after wind, and there is nothing to be gained under the sun.
1: This is the word of the Lord from Ecclesiastes this morning. You can have a seat. Thanks, Carolyn. I want to ask you the most spiritual question that you will be asked this week. Have you ever eaten your feelings before? Like, have you ever eaten your body weight in the emotions or stress that you have going on in your life right now? Maybe you have not had that feeling. I have had that feeling. My wife and I have shared that feeling. Uh, A couple months ago, we had an experience where uh, we had a long day and then we had a longer night because we need to have a conversation about finances and long term commitments. And if you give us a really long day and you put those two conversations together, we become the Titanic in our marriage. And there are icebergs ahead. Okay, and we know that going in. So we have this long, drawn-out conversation, and by the end of it, we're both extremely stressed, and we just kind of walk away from it for the night, and uh, somehow, uh, mystically and therapeutically, I am walking around with a bag of pretzels, and I am just pounding it out at 11 o'clock at night as I walk around, and I walk into the kitchen where I also see my wife, who, she is doing what I call the refrigerator of examination, okay, have you ever seen this where you just open the fridge and you just you just watch, you just look. It just reminds me of like my mother like when I was growing up like that trauma's still there where she would be like what show is playing in there? You're wasting us energy with that door open, you know? You ever have any moms like that? Mhm, yeah. Any of you those moms? Mhm. Yeah, we'll have the time of repentance later. Anyway, she has the door just Hanging open the fridge and as I'm pounding out my pretzels, I say to her, babe, are you stress eating? Because that was wise. I said, babe, are you stress eating? And she turns around. and She goes, I'm not stress eating. I'm happy eating. How about you mind your own business, pretzel boy? I guess I needed to take the pretzel out of my own eye to be able to take the carrot out of hers. No one likes to have pointed out to them what they consume too much of in life. You ever found yourself just hiding what you consume? Like I'm not talking about on like a deep spiritual level. I'm just talking about the things that you just like want to hide from people. Maybe you are talented and you can pound out a bag of flaming Hot Cheetos before you say the name Chester, okay? Maybe you're not proud of it, but you watched the show Yellowstone in a 48-hour period, okay? There's grace of the Lord for that. Have you ever wanted to hide what you consume? Isn't it interesting how what we are consuming tends to reveal something About us. And usually if you have an instinct. That you want to hide something. This is just good spiritual coaching. Anytime you want to hide something. That usually means that there's something. Going on inside. And if you want to follow the breadcrumbs of your life. You will find that what you consume a lot of. Isn't just something about your personality. But it shows you what. You are constructing around your life. That's why we only let the people who are closest to us actually know what we are consuming a lot of in life. And the worst thing is when you are consuming a lot of something and you don't even know that you're consuming This is the reason that we started this series called Simple Last Week. Basically, we just started talking about how if we want to receive the simple news of God with Easter, we have to prepare our souls for it. Christians have called this time that you're in right now on the calendar. They have called it the spring cleaning of the soul. That you need to take time to simplify your life and prepare for the good news that Luke declared today, that Jesus lived, He died, was buried, and was resurrected. Your soul needs to simplify your life to receive that simple news of God. And last week I talked about what you hold on to in life. And next week I'm going to talk about the things that you have in your life. But this week I want to talk about what you are consuming. What you have, what you buy, what you collect, what you store. And in order to talk about that, we need wisdom to be able to navigate. There's a portion of the Bible that is actually called wisdom literature. And within that portion of the Bible, there is a book called Ecclesiastes. And it was actually our text that was read today. And the unique thing about wisdom literature is that it's written in such a way for us to experience and hear the collective wisdom of God that has been passed down from generation to generation. If you didn't have a moment yet, I'm gonna go ahead and encourage you to grab a Bible and turn to it. If you've never been to Ecclesiastes before, you can basically split your Bible in half. You'll see a book, uh, like a lot of pages that have Psalms on it, not to be mixed up with palms. Okay, that's a rookie mistake. All right, you go Psalms and you turn just a couple pages over and then you'll run into Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, if you hear someone talk about it a lot, it is told from the perspective of a king by the name of Solomon. But you'll notice that how it's written is from a voice, some people will call it the philosopher, some people will call him the preacher, some people will call him the author, who is writing from the collected wisdom and experience of King Solomon. And King Solomon was a king who had it all. And he asked for all of the wisdom of God. And God gave it to him. Not only did he have it all, but he tested it all. And today, I'm going to walk you through the mental map that he gives us in chapter 2. I mean, it's going to be great. I'm just going to walk you through this scripturally today. Nothing fancy, no big thrills. Just the mental map that he goes through. Now, starting in chapter two, verse one, here's what he said. I said to myself, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is even good. Now, I want to stop in just this one phrase right here for King Solomon to say, I want to test the pleasure of it. The Bible that you have in front of you has been translated. There have been people who have prayerfully come along and have chosen specific words, and you will see that King Solomon's words here is to say, I want to test pleasure. He's not just saying like, hey, I want to have a great time. He is actually saying, I want to know what makes life great. And depending on what translation you have, you will have some sort of word for pleasure. Now, if you were to take a quick inventory, just a gander, I don't know who uses the term gander, but I'm going to use it today. If you were to just walk through Scripture, you would find that this word pleasure has a lot of different meanings. Let me walk it through. In Jeremiah 41, it would mean a sense of relief. Over in Jonah 4:6, it would mean happiness or satisfaction. If you went to Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, you go 15, 16. It's an expression of joy. If you were to go to, that can't be Jonah 4, 6. We'll work on that. Happiness or satisfaction. I don't know where that is, but it is somewhere within that, okay? And then the last one is achievement. Leviticus 23, 40. The Old Testament has all these different terminologies. For how pleasure can be defined. In other words, pleasure has many faces. And if you are to walk with God. Part of your journey with God. Is figuring out and facing what feeling of pleasure am I trying to chase down in my life? Is it a sense of relief? Is it an accomplishment? Is it a state of life? or being. And King Solomon, he has sensed them all and he has tested them all. And the question for each of us is, which one are we testing with our own lives? Now, here's the thing that if we're just very honest with ourselves, when we start asking ourselves about how we're doing with our relationship with God, here's what most of our instincts are. When we think about a relationship, God would immediately move to comparing ourselves. We tend to say things like this to ourselves in our mind. How am I doing with God right now? Well, I can tell you this. My kids definitely ended up better than their kids. So I at least know I'm doing well there. Or you say, have you ever been to like, how am I doing with God? You know what? I've been to brother or sister so-and-so's house. And my house is definitely not as luxurious as their house has been. So I'm feeling pretty good about my relationship. It is a natural instinct to want to compare ourselves. And one of the things about journey with God, and this is huge for this series called Simple. One of the things about your journey with God is it is not public comparison. But it is a personal process with God. It is not about you comparing yourself to how other people wrestle with happiness and pleasure. It is you wrestling with how do you wrestle with happiness and pleasure? And where do you invite God into that or don't invite God into that? And in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, he's going to invite us into his mental process of how he collects happiness and pleasure in life. If you move to verse four, he says it like this I undertook great projects, I built houses for myself, and I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs. Man, this guy, he knows the fancy life. I made reservoirs to water groves and flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds of flock than anyone in Jerusalem before. I want to turn your attention to what he's doing. Do you see what he's doing as he's building, as he's collecting? He's building a world for himself. Actually, I want to turn you to just a little small word that you wouldn't even see if you were just reading the text from an English standpoint. That word parks, that comes from the Hebrew word pardes, which would mean the same root word as paradise. Can you see how the text is giving you a moment here? He's not building just paradise. He's building his own Eden. Because when's the last time the Bible has told you a story about a moment with a person who filled creation with plants and parks and waters and animal and people? Solomon, in the words of the text, he is building his own world. And it's his own world of pleasures and this is where this starts to speak very deeply to our world is that if you build your own eden if you build your own world the way that you want it sometimes you will miss the direction of how god wants the world and it's hard for you to walk through this world You know, we have a lot of different phrases today and you've probably used them before on accident of how you build your own world. Let me give you a couple of them. If you have ever said to someone in a conversation, you know what, it's your life. If you've ever said to someone, you know what, <laughs> it's your world, we're just living in it. If you've ever said, I want you to live your best life. If you've ever said, you just live your truth. All of these are different examples of you telling someone to build their own world. And listen in church, it is all fine and dandy if we say to each other, you build your own world, you do you, you do what you want. That's great to build your best life until your best life starts to make other people's lives work. And that's why you have to have someone over your life who's telling you how to navigate the world. Notice in verse 7, when Solomon just starts building the world that he's in, he's like, you know, I got parks, I got animals, and he's like, sounds good, sounds good, I'm liking what he's building. And then all of a sudden, in verse 7, I bought male and female slaves, and I had other slaves who were born in those houses for those slaves. What? That's not what God intended. That's not what God designed the world to be. And then you just go down further. I mean, we're getting off the rails here. You get even deeper into what he say. He goes, you know, where is it? Where is it? Uh, uh, I acquired male and female singers. And I acquired them a lot. And the delights of every part of my heart was met. All right, I don't know how to tell you this in a way that I don't lose my job, Okay. He's not talking about singers, okay? This is the equivalent of you being like, you know, I just really love watching Magic Mike for the music, okay? All right, that's not what's happening here. If you don't know what Magic Mike is, if that fell off for you as a reference, you're doing great in life, okay? All right, that's really a good thing. He's not talking about singers here. He's talking about every form of pleasure. You find that as Solomon keeps building his own world, everything goes off the rails. And the Bible is very clear about this. Our personal idolatry comes at a social cost. In essence, what you consume if you don't have God's direction will consume others. That's why if you share a life with God, you have to ask, is what I consume in the world hurting others? Or is it hurting the world? This is the question of people who share life with God are asking. And for those of us who have the means, do we ask very often that the clothes that we wear, do we ask ourselves how the string is literally attached to other parts of the world and how other human beings are treated? When we buy that athletic gear that we love so much, do we ask the question of is it a type of material that will exist in the landfill of the world long after you stop it? Do we take precautions? Do we combat the consumption of things like pornography that if we don't combat it, it perpetuates a system of degrading and also enslaving image bearers of God when we consume material and we just brush it off the shoulder when it's sexist or it's racist if we just consume those things we contribute to the burdens that people deal with and wrestle with every day and we contribute and what leads us to this mentality well the Bible's going to tell us in verse 10 He said, this is the mentality that got him off the rails. Verse 10, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure across the board. In other words, my eyes were not logical. And all logic went out the window of how I collected and built my world. You know what's a really great example of this? J.C. Penney's. Am I right? No amens there? I heard a story a couple of years ago back in 2014 that deeply disturbed me because it just poked me right in my world. J.C. JCPenney's in 2014 had a CEO that took over and he had a game plan. This was his game plan. No more games, no more gimmicks, no more sales. I'm going to take the price tag of everything in the store and I'm going to reduce it to the lowest amount possible. And then I'm going to open the doors. Everyone's going to buy everything. And I'm going to get a massive raise. All right. I read it. I was like, mm, that's a pretty good plan. You know, just don't even play and game. I like that. Talk to me straight. You know, I just want it straight. He does this. And in one year time, do you know what the result is? He's fired. Why? Well, as soon as he lowered the prices to everything, the sales for JCPenney's back in 2008, 2014 plummeted and the reason it plummeted researchers came in and said why in the world did this go off the rails this should have worked they actually found out a finding that said you are more tempted to buy something if it is on sale than if you are given the lowest cost ouch that is my life okay i i don't need that box of cheerios but if it is on sale i'll buy seven Okay. Our eyes are not logical and our eyes get trained by desires that are in the world. Let me give you just one more example before we just round it out here. There is a specialist by the name of Victor Lebo, who he wrote this at one point in the Journal of Advertising. This isn't just like a journal that you'd pick up at the dentist's office. This is someone who is a specialist in advertising, and this is what he wrote. To how he markets to people like you and I. Our enormously productive economy. Demands the consumption. Of things in every way. That we convert the buying and uses of goods. Into ritual. That we seek our spiritual satisfaction our ego satisfaction, and consumption. The measure of social status and social acceptance of prestige is now to be found in our consumptive patterns. The meanings of significance of our lives today is expressed in consumptive terms. Listen to this. We need things consumed, burned up, worn out, replaced, discarded, and at an ever-increasing pace. We need to have people eat, drink, dress, ride, live with even more complicated and therefore constantly more expensive consumption. There is a world of people that are building our eyes and they are not building it in a logical way. Any guesses when this article was written? 1959. I'll do the math for you. We've had 63 years of an industry perfecting what our eyes look at and what our eyes think we need to consume. And we as people of God have to combat this and fight against it. So last week I made a challenge for this series. I said, hey, while we do the simple series, while we are getting ready, I want to invite you to, for the next 36 days, I want you to give away 36 items. And the reason that we're doing this is, A, we're clearing out our set. Even if we don't know how to internally do this, we're externally clearing ourselves and preparing ourselves. But the second is, we also have an event coming up that's called ShareFest. And one of the things we want to invite you to do is as you're giving away these 36 items, we want you to be thinking about, what are some items that I can give away to ShareFest? I talked about last week, like we want to show up in really big ways for this. And if you take this practice of, I'm going to take 36 items, and I'm going to give them away, this is a way of you participating in the resistance of saying, no. Like my life won't just continue to be about gaining something. I had someone mention to me earlier this week that I thought was so beautiful. They said, you know what? Not only am I going to give 36 items away, I'm also going to buy some items for ShareFest to bring here. Now, that's what we're talking about. That's a life of saying, I'm not going to build my life around gain and an opportunity I have to build it around gain. I'm actually going to give it away. If we want to have our hearts formed, in a way that's not around gain, we have to practice giving things away. Everyone around you is going to tell you to gain more. Work towards the next job, and it will help you gain more. Join another essential oils group, and you will find a gain there. Gain what you want in your home life. But the words of Ecclesiastes at the very end, the writer just says, yet when I surveyed all my hands and what they had done and toiled and achieved, I found that it was meaning. In other words, here's what he's saying. Everything that you need to have meaning in your life is available to you right now. In this place. And Ecclesiastes is not the final word. Jesus is actually the word that comes and gives us the final word. Jesus says, if you want to gain something in life, here's the invitation. Seek the kingdom of God. And what does he say after that? And all these things will be added unto you. Seek. Jesus isn't looking to suppress your life. He doesn't want you to say no to the things that you desire or think that you need because he just wants you to live a more miserable life. He wants you to clear out the space of your life to be able to seek the things of God. In the words of first Timothy, Timothy tells a group of believers, he says, if you want to seek after the kingdom of God, here it is. Concern yourself with clothing, with housing and food, and you will be content with that. I wonder how many of us actually believe that. Church, if we want to seek the kingdom of God more, it means we have to seek less on Amazon, Airbnb, and constantly checking our portfolio. Because one of the ways that we simplify our life is simply not just having less things, but also desiring. I want to invite the worship team to come up with me. I want to bring us into a time of prayer at the very end uh, before Ray comes up and uh, blesses us today. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I internalized a message when I was really young. Uh, when we walked around in my family, uh, one of the things that we used to say about families that, quite frankly, weren't even just uber wealthy, but were just, they had more than we did. Uh, we used this phrase in my household. We said, that person is really well off. And I internalized in my life very early, oh, that's the objective of life, is to be really well off. And now, as I've walked through life a little bit more, I've realized what many of us have realized, is that to be well off doesn't mean you're actually doing well. What Jesus would say about the kingdom of God is that if you seek it, that is a life where you're doing well. And everything else will find its way. Today, we need the great healer to come in because it is hard to let go of the things in our life that honestly, like we've just given a lot of time to. So I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, but the team is up here with me because we're going to practice just letting the Holy Spirit speak for us when we don't even know the words. In Romans, we are assured that the Spirit of God is with us to help us. So I'm going to start the prayer and then I'm going to let you finish the prayer. But before each time I start the prayer and let you finish the team is just going to sing that same thing over us. Come Holy Spirit. So let's uh let's go before the father. of us you've taken care of us before and you've showed it over again so God we're just going to take a second and we're going to say to you the ways that you have taken care of us
2: Come, Holy Spirit, come, come and do
1: us we recognize that we consume a lot of things Uh, we're just going to take a moment and we're just going to share inventory of what we may be consuming too much of right now what we have tried to depend on too much security or too much of or thinking that you won't provide for us so god may you just hear these things for a minute where we try to find some
2: The Holy Spirit, come, come and do
1: God, if there is anything in our lives that we need to consume less of, if there's anything that we need to give away, God, in this moment, however, may you prompt us and show us and reveal to us
2: what we need to give
1: we pray we we won't just listen right now, but we'll listen this entire week. May you poke us. God, may you irritate us with the things that we need to let go or that we need to give away or that we need to simplify to be able to receive that simple news that you are active and that you are working and you have great opportunities and joys for us in our life. God, we need your help to be able to see that and feel that. May we contribute to your kingdom. May it not be our kingdom, but God, yours. Yours is the one in Jesus' name.